This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track monitored accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. You're listening to Bass Fishing for News on the Allen Fan Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. Welcome back to the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery, and with me always is my co-host, Ryan Milford. What's happening, brother? What's going on, Sean? Not much, man. So um, I know uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be old news, but uh, we just uh, celebrated our 600th episode yesterday and um, our third birthday for Paddle and Fin. And I figured uh, what better way to celebrate and start on the next 600 then by having an epic guest. So uh, tonight we're going to have um, a very epic guest uh, for the first time on the new show. He's been on Paddle and Finn before, but for the first time on the new show, I'd like to welcome Mr. Chad Hoover. What's up, well, guys? Not much, brother. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I have to admit, when uh, you first called me, uh, <laughs> I was a little starstruck, so... I apologize for that. You're probably one of the bigger names that I've talked to since my time on here. So, but, you, need set, uh, you need to set your bar a little higher for me. So. 
that, that I'm just a you know a country boy from rural PA, so it doesn't take much to to get me a little wide eyed. I'm, I'm just a country <laughs> boy from even more rural Louisiana, so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, welcome to uh, the noob segment. Um, it's an awesome uh, privilege to have you on here tonight. So for the folks that might be living under a rock and don't know who you are. Can you uh, let them know who you are, where you're from, and um, kind of how you got into kayak fishing? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Chad Hoover. I'm the founder and president of Kayak Bass Fishing, or KBF. I, uh, I live in just outside of Nashville, Tennessee right now in a little town called White House. I'm originally from Louisiana, lived in Georgia for a few years before I joined the Navy. Spent 20 years in the Navy. Uh, most of that was in Norfolk or... Corpus Christi, uh, Texas, and then Norfolk, Virginia, or Corpus Christi, Texas, with a smattering of other, you know, smaller assignments around the country and overseas. After I retired, I jetted over to Tennessee immediately and uh, launched a retail store there. Uh, sold that a few years later because, one, I decided that I didn't really like retail as much as I thought I was because I got in the outdoor industry and then never got to get out there. Um so when the opportunity came to sell that, I jumped at it. I invested pretty much everything that I made off of that and my remaining life savings in getting KBF to where it's at now. Um, I really make a living off of, um, you know, content creation and television. And, you know, KBF is um, it's really a passion project. I'm trying to grow the community and create a revenue stream to where I can do more for the community. Um, most recently investing in, in the high school and college series, uh, really trying to get those off the ground. You know, unfortunately with COVID, uh, we kind of depleted the coffers a little bit, um, you know, just like everybody else. So we haven't had that, uh, you know, that normal amount of disposable income that we, you know, that we're used to have in the past, which was money that I put in to try to, you know, really ramp things up and get people excited about kayak fishing. Um, you know, so from there, I just, uh, you know, I've been really lucky in some regards as far as being in the right time, in the right place at the right time, you know, but at the same time, I'm also learning a lot about, you know, um, celebrating your wins, just like you, you own your losses kind of a thing. And that way you're really, setting people up for success. I do have a lot of, I actually have a YouTube video I'm working on right now called it must be nice. I get that comment a lot. And uh, I always think it's funny when people say, man, it must be nice to get all your fishing gear free. It must be nice to what insert thing here. Uh, but what those people don't realize is how much work it took to get to that point. Mm -hmm. How many sacrifices it took to get to that point. How many trade shows you had to stand up for 12 hours on concrete floors and, you know, sleep six dudes in a hotel room. Yeah. Six dudes in a hotel room, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, sleeping in your truck, sleeping on the side of the road, sleeping in a hammock, uh, sleeping in a rooftop tent, you know, stuff that isn't as glamorous as people think it is. Um, and uh, so to me, I always, there's a double-edged sword when you see those comments M must be nice because there's two things happening when they do that. One, they're dismissing how hard you work to get there, but more importantly, they're letting themselves off the hook for not accomplishing that. They're basically saying, Oh, well, if I was lucky, like he is, I would have those things he has. I see the same thing happen with 
Russ Snyder's and Christine Fisher and, and, you know, some of these people that win consistently. Uh, in fact, I heard a guy say it the other day, uh, basically said, yeah, I'd be able to win events like that if I didn't do anything but fish. Um, okay. Well then don't do anything but fish mm -hmm. or shut up. You know what I mean? So to me, uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to live a life that that's not aspirational. You know, there's a lot of aspirational influencers out there that are like, Oh man, it sure would be nice to be able to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to make something that's unattainable. I want people to say, Holy crap. If that fat ass from rural Louisiana who grew up in a trailer park can end up living, you know, his dream, I'm not telling you, you got to live my dream, but whatever your dream is, um, I want to be that guy. Aspirational means, man, I really wish I could do that. Inspirational means, holy crap, I can do that. And, you know, if you guys will remind me a little bit later in the podcast, I want to tell you a story about something pretty profound that happened to me about February that has changed my outlook uh, probably more than anything else. And it was a chance occurrence and it wasn't the intention of the person to to offend me or to light a fire under my butt like they did but they did and i want to talk about that but i don't want to dominate the conversation out of the gate um you know i really got off track a few years with kbf focusing on competition 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 you know and i do believe competition breeds innovation innovation you know breeds more competition and when companies and when tournament series and when marketing entities all compete we win. And I say we, right? Because I'm a kayak angler. You know, I always think it's funny when people say us and they, when they're talking about them as the community and KBF is us. And I'm like, dude, I kayak fish more than you do. <laughs> I don't know how you're disassociating me from a customer. I spend more money on kayak fishing every year than you do. And I do it more. So I'm a kayak fisherman. This is for us, by us at the at the highest level, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. I, I thoroughly enjoy the, the YouTube thing uh, because I like, I like being a teacher. I like being a leader and that's really the platform where you can, you know, you can multiply and you can amplify your voice to reach more people. And uh, there's nothing, nothing more rewarding uh, than somebody that comes up and says, man, I got into kayak fishing because of watching your videos and insert statement like it changed my life it's all i do now it me and my son reconnected i had a guy tell me a couple weeks ago my son and i hadn't fished together in 27 years he bought a fishing kayak got excited about it told me about it i bought a fishing kayak and now we travel and fish tournaments together just stuff like that is like just about the time you've had enough crap from the haters and the naysayers and the the grind you get something like that that just lights a whole nother fire, you know, uh, under your butt and you're, um, you're, uh, you're off to the races, you know? So, yeah. Right. No, I, we definitely, Ryan and I, I think I can speak for Ryan on this. We both, you know, that's the reason we're in this too, is just to grow the sport, to spread knowledge, you know, to get as many people loving, loving this experience that we've come to love, you know, uh, and, you know, it sounds like that the same kind of blood's running through your veins, man. So that's awesome. Thank you. And, yeah, I mean, and I, go ahead, Ryan. I was, I was going to say, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. This is a sport that I've really grown to love. And, you know, I, I, I've never really talked about this, but 
as you know, I'd already been in a kayak, but before it started the podcast, you know, I, I remember talking to a guy at work, you know, he's like a big, like all really big and like open mind, free thinking type stuff. And so it's somebody I go to for like, uh, I guess more diverse conversations or whatever, instead of the classic how's the weather today type stuff. And, you know, I talked to him about some stuff and I was like, you know, I've been thinking a whole lot, like, I don't really, you know, if, if I died today, I don't know if I really have six friends that would like that close friends to carry my casket. Dude, I, ha- I and, said that same thing to somebody two days ago. I said, narrow your inner circle down to the six dudes that you want to carry your casket, bro. <laughs> well, well, I, I was going to say. Be just being in the sport, I feel like I could come up with six people to carry in my casket, just in the friends that I've made in this sport. So I, I, I love kayak fishing. Like I, I don't know. I've just went full, full, like fully into it. And you know, I've made a ton of friends that I've gotten close with in this. So yeah, like I, the more people we can bring in and experience that for themselves and all that, the better. Amen to that, man. I had a guy at a gas pump about an hour ago. Um, you know, I'm driving back from Utah. I just made it to Missouri about 30, 45 minutes ago, and I've got another five or six hours to drive tonight, uh, heading over to hook up with Jeremy Mitchell, and uh, we're going to do the fall on outdoors thing um, to take those guys fishing um, Thursday. Uh, it's what's well, Tuesday right now. I, um, I got a dislocated shoulder. I slipped in busted my knee and swollen up like a grapefruit and then i've got a a rib that's out that popped out and so it's kind of like that same thing it's like you gotta it's like a grind but i still go you know what i mean i still do it and the the reason i'm saying this is not some tough guy contest but i was at a gas station this guy walked up to me he said are you uh are you into kayak fishing and i was like i'm looking at my setup i'm like just a little bit I'm, I'm, i'm into it a little bit um I dabble. But, but what's funny <laughs> is I was watching a uh, a documentary on, um, it was like one of the channels I was flipping through in the hotel about a month ago. And I'm not kidding you. I watched a documentary on heroin addiction and I had a lot in common with the addicts, but just insert kayak fishing for heroin. And everything that they said, I could literally have, supplanted their words with how I feel about kayak fishing. I'll go on a 30, 40 day stretch where I'm filming every day from daylight to dark and I'll be burnt out. And I'll tell Christy when I get home, like I'm not getting back in that kayak for a month. And the next day I'm like out there (laughs) in the garage, I'm loading stuff up. I'm looking up maps. I'm finding a Creek. You know what I mean? I'm checking the so lunar tables. I mean, it literally is a freaking it's an, it's an overwhelming, um, it's an, it's overwhelming to be honest with you. It, it's really like the exact opposite of ADD. I call it angler ADD. So it's AADD where you can't focus on anything else. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm glad I was, you know, I've had success in this field. Cause I don't know if I can do anything else at this point. You know, I had a guy call and offer me a job. And he said he was going to launch this company and I was perfect for it. And he was going to pay me way more than I make now because I don't make a lot, but I'm, I'm rich in experience and basically doing what I love. And 
I had to think about it for a little bit because, you know, there, things got tough during COVID just like everybody else. And it was like, man, I could hire somebody to run KBF and I could do that job and have a hell of a lot better quality of life. But then I thought about it and I'm just like, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm actually employable right now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, once you're your own boss, you know, it's I've been like, go uh, work for somebody else. I've been like one of them. I've been just out there in the wild. You know what I mean? It's trying to polish me up and stick me back in a corral. I don't know, man. I, I don't think I could do it, you know? And it's crazy because, I, you know, I came from the military. It was 20 years from the time I was 17, well, 16 when I joined delayed entry to like 37 was about as rigid as you can get right? to now, like just being the exact opposite. Um, but there's something about, I went to a seminar with a, a, a Damon uh, from Shark Tank. And uh, he's got this thing called the power of broke. Um, and then I've watched a couple of like those, you know, motivational videos or whatever. Where I've heard the, the rock talk about this. We're like, put your back against the wall where you don't have anywhere to go and you'll find out what you're, what you're worth or what you're capable of. Uh-oh. And uh, had like $37,000 after a bad divorce and some other stuff, put all of that into the business and rolled into Nashville, Tennessee with about 300 bucks, slept in the shop for six months, had some friends let me crash at their place for almost a year. Then my son and I went back and started sleeping in the shop on air mattresses and hammocks and all that stuff. And dude, I'll tell you, it's some of the coolest experiences and memories that I've had, but I didn't leave myself an option to fail because if I did, I was going to have to go back to doing something else, get a different job. I was going to have to give up everything so you know i've got this little weird saying and i've got this written down in a couple places um just as a like a little self-motivator um you'll never have everything you want if you're not willing to risk everything you have and i know that sounds cliche as hell to a lot of people out there and a lot of people think it's crazy um and it is crazy and, and i think there's a razor thin line between insanity and genius and I'm not considering myself a genius, but all I'm saying is for all those people that I look up to that motivate me and hopefully I can be that person to somebody else. That line is so thin between just being, you know, if you look at the stories of some of the really successful people out there and the fact that what they went through to get there, most people won't do it. And I'll be honest with you. I look back at some of the stuff I did and go, I don't know if I could do that again, <laughs> you know, um, right. But here we are. And, and I think it's one of those things where if you don't, you don't know what you're capable of until you give yourself no option but to do it, you know. Right. And I think that you can take that same lesson, though, and apply it to getting better uh, at kayak fishing. I, I tell this story a lot of times in my seminars. I told it up there in uh, Cincinnati when I was hanging out at the booth with uh, the paddle and fin guys. Uh, I told this story about like there was a time where I thought crankbait uh fishing was bs i thought man people aren't really catching fish on these things it's all marketing it's all a gimmick it's all crap now this has been a long time ago but i remember i ran into rick klein at a trade show and i went i did the little look left and look right thing i said hey rick mr klein actually i said mr klein can i ask you a question he said i said he said yeah i said do you really catch that many fish on a crankbait he said son let me tell you something if you don't have confidence in a crankbait, which is 
which I ascertained by the question that you asked me. And he reached out and he put his hand on my shoulder and he did the shoulder, the squeeze of the collarbone. He said, here's what you do. Leave everything else at home and don't fish anything but a crankbait until you are the best crankbait fisherman you know. Then do that with a jig and then do that with, you know, what insert lure category here. And that's how you'll become the best angler, you know, and every angler's goal should be the best angler, you know. And if you meet an angler that's better than you, your, your job and your mind should be, you can't rest until you feel like you've surpassed that angler. And man, I'm not going to lie. I found some success. I, uh, I was working 20 hours a day, eating like crap, living out of the shop, living on the road, living on fast food. I swole up like a tick and that all changes how you think because you don't have energy or your energy's fake energy. It's sugar energy. It's coffee energy. It's all that other stuff. And what you end up doing is you get soft and I got, I ain't going to lie. I got soft. I started, I fished more off of boat ramps in the last three years than I've fished in my life. I used to like look down my nose at launching at a boat ramp. I'm like boat ramp. I'm a kayak fisherman, you know? <laughs> If I didn't drag my kayak to the spot to where I was going fishing, I didn't really feel like I was kayak fishing. So um, this will tie into what I said earlier when we get into that little story I wanted to share with you guys at the end of the podcast or closer to the end anyway. It was um, it was crazy, man. I uh, I just have a, I've had a switch flip and now I'm looking for those crazy hard opportunities to go fishing again. I'm leaving the camera at home for a lot of it just because it's for me right now. And I'm catching bigger fish again. I'm getting that conf confidence is 90% efficient. And you, but it's an animal you have to feed. If you don't feed it, it turns into Garfield the cat. It gets fat. It gets lazy. It doesn't serve you. And you're screwed. And I, I've been, I haven't caught but one 10-pound bass in the last three years. Now, to make that relevant, because a lot of people said, oh, you poor thing. I had never gone a year without catching multiple 10 pound bass for almost 21 years. So that's, to, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, my goal this year is to catch a few more before the end of the year. My goal next year is to catch 10, 10 in a year. And uh, I'm going to do I just want one. But that's cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, when, when you're defining your own level of success, I mean, we, we talked about that with a little bit with Catherine Field. You know, she has an idea in her head what success for her looks like. And she is hell-bent on getting there. And, you know, that's that's the thing. You, you can't let anybody else define your level of success. Like when you were saying, you know, everybody said, oh, it must be nice. That was the first thing I thought of. If they knew how much work you put in, nine out of ten people wouldn't survive that. They wouldn't. They would give up and go home halfway through, you know. So, you know, again, you, you have your definition of what success looks like for you and every person has to make that own determination. And then once you have an idea of what success looks for, like to you, like 10, 10, more than 10 uh, bass over 10, 10 pounds is an awesome goal. Um, I don't know that that would be my success. <laughs> uh, that would no, that's just success. one of them. Like that's right. right. That's, that's just no, an no. edge goal. There's exactly. so many other goals. No, same here. Know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. But I'm just saying. Here's the like, problem with success. I think people try to put success in a box or on a, you know, there's a ladder going to it and you climb this step and this step and this step. And, this, and when you get to that top step, 
that success. And the, the problem with success is it's like a mirage in the desert. The closer you get to it, the further it gets away. So you really have to learn along the way to create some incremental uh, successes. You know what I mean? To understand that, you know, you don't build a house and like wait till the house is done and back up. When you get the foundation built, celebrate that. When you get it framed, celebrate that. When you get the roof on, celebrate that. When you get the when you get the walls dried in, celebrate that. When you get the interior done, celebrate that. When the exterior is done, celebrate it. When it's landscaped, celebrate it. When you move in, celebrate. You know what I mean? And then if that was your whole goal, then every day when you walk out of and you walk back into that house, then celebrate it. But be sure to understand how to do that along the way. Uh, otherwise, what's the point? The point is that you will waste your life. Uh, as a gerbil on a wheel chasing some stuff that, um, you know, I woke up in a Walmart parking lot this morning in my rooftop tent um, with a kid standing there looking at me. I stuck my head out of the tent. And he's like, what is that? And I said, what is what? He goes, what is that thing? I said, it's a tent. He said, oh, my dad said I could come ask you because we saw you last night and they were, you know, they were sleeping in an RV. And then his dad walked out and we started talking and I ended up meeting up with a guy that was like from uh, the same place in Georgia where I went to high school, had a lot in common, exchanged numbers. And when they come back through Tennessee, we're going to we're going to end up fishing. Uh, a lot of people would have felt like um, sleeping in a Walmart parking lot is not glamorous. Sleeping in a rooftop tent when it's hot is not glamorous. But I don't do glamorous. I do. Uh, I live life for the moments. And that was one cool moment. You know what I mean? And um and that was way better than waking up in a comfy hotel and walking downstairs and getting a cup of coffee and not talking to anybody. Um, and, you know, that's the pr thing that I probably missed the most during COVID was kind of that that connection with people, that interaction, that lack of um, uh, autonomy, if you will, or the willingness to, to be approachable or to approach people. Um, and that part's coming back. And that's really kind of what drives me is um, – I like lighting a fire under myself first. Uh, I use this analogy, but I actually got away from it on my own. You know, when you're on the airplane and they, they do the, the safety brief, they tell you when that oxygen mask falls down, put it on yourself first and then take care of everybody around you. You know, and, and I got to be honest, um, I, don't, I haven't really talked about what I'm about to tell you publicly, but uh, there's people that know. Um, but last year I got notified that I was being inducted into the outdoor uh, hall of fame through the legends of the outdoors. And I was like, what the, what? And, um, I, I'm going to be honest with you, man, for like two or three months, it was about a year out that I was going to go in and then it ended up getting postponed. And I got, I'm not going to lie. I was relieved that it got postponed for COVID because I still hadn't figured out how to deal with it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, fortunate that I have some of the friends that I have and I'm, I've got friends that are in the hall of fame. And then I've got friends that are like, I've got a really good friend, uh, Clay Guida, who's a UFC fighter. And I called him and I said, Hey man, you went into the UFC hall of fame for that fight uh, with Diego. How did, how did that, how did you deal with that? He said, here's what I'll tell you. I actually had the same conversation with somebody else. So I'm just telling you what they told me live up to what the people who got you there expect out of you or you're doing them a disservice. And I was like, holy crap. 
like I had been looking at it all wrong. I had been looking at it like, how do you, how do you, how do you say with humility, oh, I'm going into the Hall of Fame? How do you manage that pressure? It's a lot of pressure. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but like once somebody somebody tells you that, you're like, hold up, maybe now I can't say ass on a podcast every now and then because, you know, whatever. But I really just kind of came down to the realization. And then I called the founder and I said, man, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I'm kind of struggling with this thing. Like, I don't feel like I'm Hall of Fame or material or whatever. And he said, dude, let me explain something to you. I went into Walmart the other day and there was kayaks in the aisle. I went into Walmart the other day and there was kayaks on the roof. I went into Walmart the other day and there was a whole nother 18 wheeler unloading kayaks. I went to Tractor Supply and there were kayaks. I went to Cabela's and they were kayaks at the front door, at the side door, in the middle of the aisle. And every one of them was a fishing kayak. And he said, dude, you can talk all the smack you want to. You can swallow the biggest piece of humble pie you want to. But you had a major uh, part of doing that. And I don't know that I know of anything that's changed hunting or fishing by itself more and more rapidly in the last 30 to 40 years than what kayak fishing has done. And you've been a big part of that. So shut up, get ready for it, live up to it. And I was like, dude, that's the second time somebody said that to me. He said, what? I said, I talked to this other guy who's in the hall of fame and he said, just live up to it. And so I've had to take on that mindset. And this, this kind of ties into the other story. Uh, that I wanted to tell you guys, but I'm going to let you guys ask whatever questions you want to ask first. And I'll <laughs> save that for closer to the end. Well, first off, I want to say congratulations. And I definitely feel like you deserve that because, you know, it, it's no secret. There's people out there that don't like you. And there's a ton of people out there that do like you, you know? So, but like you or not, you have to respect you. If you enjoy the sport of kayak fishing or competitive kayak fishing, because, if it wasn't for you, competitive kayak fishing would not be where it's at today. So, yeah, you totally deserve that, and congratulations, because, I mean, a lot of people... Well, thank you. You know what's funny is this like, this whole thing of people liking me and don't liking me comes up on, like, every podcast that I do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to, like... No, no, no. It, 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 with that, but. it actually doesn't offend me, because there, there's two type of people that don't like me. Uh, ones that I've given a reason to, and ones that I haven't given a reason to. The ones that I've given a reason to is when I was going through some crap in my life that I lashed out about everything. I also let my passion get in the way of my judgment and I shouldn't have done that. And so my only goal with those people is to outlive the reason that I made them dislike me because of that. And then there's the other people that don't like me because they want to do what I do, but they're not willing to put in the work. So they let themselves off the hook by saying, well, if I just hate that guy, or if I think he's lucky, or if I don't think he deserves it, then I don't have to give him credit. And those people, I don't ever care if they flip. I, in fact, those people, they put gas in the fuel tank, baby. They light the fire every morning. Uh, you know, those are the people that are still going to be complaining about the exact same things they're complaining about now, five years from now, and 10 years from now. And 15 years from now, and everything will be somebody else's fault while they're not successful. They adopt the victimhood mentality 
but then they've got the don't tread on me flag on their Facebook page and the don't tell me how to freedom and all this other crazy stuff. And then they're the first person to try to do it to somebody else. So again, those people that I've wronged or those people that legitimately have a reason to dislike me, my goal is to just outlive that. I can't go back and apologize to every single person. All I can say is it was passion driven. And so I don't really want to apologize for that, but I have to, because I could have done it differently. You know what I mean? I'm learning stuff at 42, 43, 45, 40, now 46 years old. I should have learned when I was 30, but I'm a hard headed some bitch. <laughs> I just lean into things. And, uh, you know, for a long time I was a steamroller and if you got in my way, I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? But I also feel like that's kind of also how you're successful is that you have a singular vision and everything between you and that goal is an obstacle. And sometimes people tried to make themselves obstacles and, um, I wasn't having it, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, that's my fault. You know, there's a, there was another way to go about that. And so again, I'm trying to set a whole nother example now to, to make up for some of that stuff, uh, because I owe it to this community, uh, you know, as an influencer, as a leader, uh, as an example. And so that I am going to work my ass off to fix, uh, the haters that are just haters that are naysayers that are just toxic people, 90% of the time they're hyenas. So if I don't give them something, they actually just go chew on another leg somewhere. They go, you know, make their squawks about something else or they go chase something else or, you know, and eventually if you don't give hyenas a bone to play with, then they turn on each other. And that's kind of how I plan on dealing with those toxic cancerous people. Well, you know, there's also another group of people that you could say, don't like you because other people don't like you and they want to fit in with that crowd. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's with pretty much anything, you know, somebody don't like something, they tell somebody else and you know, they're same way. And uh, yeah. So it's funny. That's I, a I funny story. That. <laughs> there was a guy, I ran into a guy at a boat ramp about, I don't know, about eight months ago. It was in the middle of COVID, but I was fishing. He was fishing too. And uh, we, were, we started talking and he just started asking me questions. And um, I had already drugged my kayak over to the water and I wasn't standing by my truck, but I had my PFD on and we started talking and he asked me something and I was like, oh, dude, I got what you need. And I went back to the truck. I grabbed him like some packs of Cinco's and I grabbed some hooks and I went back over there. I was like, here. He's like, oh, man, I appreciate that. He says, oh, do you live around here? And I said, I live about an hour from here. And uh, he was like, well, dude, you know, you should give me your number. We should hook up and go fishing sometime. I said, yeah, no problem. He pulls out his phone and uh, he said, I told him the number. And he said, what's your name? I said, Chad Hoover. He said, well, you're Chad Hoover? And I said, yeah. Now, let me back up a little bit. When we first started talking, he did the whole look left and look right thing. And he was like, let me tell you something. I don't know if you know much about kayak fishing, but there's this guy, Chad Hoover, self-centered <laughs> asshole <laughs> motherfucker. Don't do anything, but step on people to get to where he wants to go. Yada, yada. So he, this guy took 20 minutes to tell me about me and never <laughs> met me before. Doesn't oh, know man. anything about me. Every bit of his information secondhand. Mm -hmm. I looked at him and I, and I said, well, look, man. So I don't know if the guy you just met sounds like the guy you just explained but I would do yourself a favor and give yourself the opportunity to judge people for yourself instead of listening to garbage that people tell you in the future. I say, Amen. 
some of that stuff that you said I might have been guilty of in the past, but not to the level. It's just like any tall tale, not to the level that it was spun out of control. But even when I was a passionate bulldog asshole, I also had a huge heart and would give you the shirt off my back and give you everything I could and invest everything I had. So that part was always there. Um, and to be honest with you, I was a little bit kind of scared, if you will, to show that like more vulnerable side. And I didn't want credit for anything. And I didn't care about that part. I just did it. And uh, but you kind of sometimes have to show that so that it sets example for other people. The 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 guy behind me that thinks like I thought so he can go, oh, cool. Well, shit, I can do that. And so. So, yeah, man, I, I get it. There's there's a lot of that. And that's any any level of success that you get, you're going to get that, you, you know, you just have to learn that that's just part of it and just don't give it any, don't give it a life. You know what I mean? Um, there's rappers out there that made their whole career off of like calling out Eminem and then he would respond to them and then they'd sell 400,000 records. And a guy asked me on a podcast about eight months ago and I, I'm not going to lie. This was cocky as hell. I'll just say it now. Uh, but I'm only saying it because I said it. And after I said, I actually heard the podcast afterwards and I was like, damn, I sounded cocky as hell right there. <laughs> but I don't think, I think cocky and arrogant are weird words because I think confidence means that your abilities and your confidence are equal. I think that if you're capable of doing what you say you're able, that's not, that's confidence, not cocky. If you're arrogant and you're cocky, it means you project that you can do more than you can. So I don't consider myself arrogant, you know, or cocky, but I did sound cocky. And that thing, he's like, what is, what is the thing that you're most proud of? And I said, honestly, man, right. And it was something that was hitting me at that time because of something that was going on in social media. I was like, I'm actually proud of the fact that there are people who are well known for only disliking me. They haven't (laughs) done any work on their own. They haven't built any platform, but everybody knows who their name is just from criticizing me and me responding. So I feel like I've gotten to a point now where not only have I put myself in a position to be successful and to be an example, but I could actually elevate somebody else's profile by them simply talking about me. And there are people out there right now that do that. And it's sad. It literally is the saddest thing. And I was kind of proud of it when I said it. Uh, I've reflected on it more and I heard myself say it on the podcast. Now, it was a little bit of a weird edit, too which made it sound a little more assholeish than it was. Um, but I heard well, it. Like, to be ah, safe, man. we don't edit ours, so yeah, we're too good. lazy to, so you're good. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. But it was kind of one of those things where I was like, you know, that, that's crazy that – and it was funny as I didn't think of it. Somebody uh, – another guy pointed it out, like, that person only – no, nobody would know who he was if it wasn't for you. And I went, oh, yes, because I'm a dumbass, and I keep engaging that person – over a couple of years. And then even though I haven't done it for a few years, they're still known because of that and nothing else. That's the best part about it, you know? Um, so yeah, it, but I've learned a lot. Uh, you know, I suffered from delayed onset PTSD and didn't know it. Had a friend recognize it in me and be like, bro, you need to get some help. And, uh, and I did. Uh, and my wife, Christy is amazing. So she's helped a lot. Um, she's helped the most by not, letting me get away with anything and calling me on my BS, which is what a person like me needs. I'm not motivated by like positive reinforcement, you know, you know, like overpraising. I'm more motivated by, you know, get your shit together, bro. 
you know, that's kind of more my, that's what, I guess it's a military thing. I was just going to say, was, that sounds my, like military thing. My dad was a raging alcoholic. My grandpas were all pretty tough. I grew up with tough people. Um, I grew up with the suck it up buttercup mentality. And so it's just weird to me to be praised. Like it feels weird. It, it's like too sweet a candy makes your teeth hurt. That's kind of how I feel with that stuff. Um, but if you tell me I screwed something up, oh, bro, you just like you dared me, you know, to fix it and to never make that same mistake again. And I love that stuff. Well, cool, man. That I mean, that's definitely I mean, whether you're you set out to be motivational or not. I think that's exactly what you've come across to a lot of people. So. Um, well, I don't want to be man. motivational. I want to be inspirational because here's the that's thing. what I mean. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. That's... Thing. I, I hate the word motivation. I really do. And and I'm not jumping on you saying it because everybody says it. Uh, here's the thing that I think people should focus on more than motivation. You should focus on momentum. OK. And I actually have a video coming out on this and I'm actually preempting myself on a, a, a term that I think I'm the first person to use. I'm going to actually get a T-shirt made with it. But it's a word, no momentum, right? Well, you don't have any momentum. You have no momentum. You are literally going nowhere. And the way that you stay motivated is to have momentum. And the way that you lose your motivation is to have no momentum. Because if you have no momentum, you have to constantly start from nothing every single time you want to do something. If you have momentum, the, the car's already going. You just have to add a little bit of accelerator. You know, the machine's already moving. You just have to have a little bit extra throttle to get it going even faster. And so for me, motivation's garbage because it's fleeting, right? It's um, if you're not motivated, then that gives you the reason to not do it. And for me, and, and part of this is, you know, this is the way I've always been. But now that I'm going through this 75 hard program with uh, uh, Andy Frazella, and you guys should look it up if you're thinking about, you know, unscrewing yourself because it really is a good program and i'm today is day 25 um but uh you just don't let yourself off the hook and you don't give yourself an option to not do something so you don't need motivation you know what i mean it's, it's kind of like i said about the whole heroin addict you know comparison um i'm not motivated i'm really not even dedicated i'm beyond that i'm i'm obsessed right and the the I tell people all the time, you have to ask yourself, are you interested or are you committed? Okay. And so um, it's kind of like the old country saying about the pig and the chicken. Okay. The, the chicken is involved in breakfast, right? Because they provide the eggs, but the pig is freaking committed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I heard that analogy before, but you're are right. You, that is are, you, are you interested <laughs> or are you committed? Or are you involved or are you committed? And there's nothing wrong with being involved uh, if that's all you want to be. But be committed to something, even if it's your family, if it's yourself, if it's personal development, if it's whatever. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I actually hate the word motivation because to me, I see people all the time go, yeah, I'm just not really motivated uh, today. But really, and, and what's funny is I never knew how to articulate this before until I uh, started reading this book and listened to uh, one of Andy Frizzell's, uh, Frizzella's um, podcasts. And he said, you know, that's listening to your bitch voice, right? You're, you're letting that little voice in your head tell you, you don't need to do that. And he makes the analogy of the little 
good angel and bad angel from the cartoons when we were all kids, you know, that, that good angels going, just take the time off. You deserve it. And the bad angels like you're a lazy piece of crap. And it's just a matter of which one you listen to. And uh, so for me, um, I don't use the word motivation that much because if you don't have the motivation, then you say to yourself, well, I don't have to do that thing because I'm not motivated to do it. Like I'm not always motivated to go fishing. I'm not always motivated to create a YouTube video. I'm not always motivated to get on social media. I'm not always motivated to, you know, and before I started the 75 hard thing, I really wasn't motivated to go to the gym. Now I work out twice a day and uh, I've got everything else kind of in order. And it's really crazy because when I heard about the program, I was like, I don't have time to do two workouts a day. And now I'm getting more crap done than I ever got done before because I'm not giving myself the option. I'm not listening to that bitch voice. I'm not listening to those reasons to not do anything. And I, again, I think it's back to the whole being all in, being committed, having your back against the wall and uh, just not giving yourself a, a, a choice, you know? Um, so, yeah. Cool. Well, I, you're right. Inspirational is definitely a better word uh, than motivational. So, um, Because if I motivate you and you then get demotivated, I got to motivate you again. And then you get, and then I got, you know what I mean? Motivation is something you have to constantly do over and over. If you can inspire somebody, you can do it one time. It's like the whole teach a man to fish versus give him a fish thing. I want to teach you to fish, not give you a fish. That's why it makes my blood boil when people go, hey, where's that spot at? Like, you missed the whole point of the freaking video. And right. all you're worried about is the spot. Because one, I shot that a month ago. So that same spot and that same technique is not going to work in that place at this time under those conditions that are now different. So you missed the whole point of the video. So again, that's what I love to do is I love to teach people how to do something instead of telling them, you know, get spoon feeding them too much. Right. So same, same thing. Hey, Chad, where's that spot at where I can skip up under that gate? That is, uh, well, I said the name of the boat ramp in the video. I, I don't, I, I, I so all you got to do is come out of the boat ramp and take a right and go down about <laughs> a quarter of a mile, and it's the first canal to the right. So, no. No. Uh, okay, well, just switching gears so we get a little bit in for the noobs that are listening. Um, if you had to look back, I knew you obviously deal probably with just as many newer fishermen than you do the pros, you know, when, when you look at someone, what's like some top mistakes that you see uh, um, rookies or noobs making and, you know, how would you change that or what would you do differently? Yeah. I, I'm actually working on a, a video concept and a blog concept for this right now, because the, the biggest mistake that I see people making when they get into the sport is they think they have to do everything at once. Right. I see guys that haven't even really picked out their kayak yet and, and I'll see them on the groups and I'll see them on, you know, different social media places. They don't even know what kayak they've settled on yet. And then they're also asking the question about what's the best depth finder. What's the best this. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing the research, but I think that uh, one of the blessings that I had getting into the sport is we got into it more incrementally uh, because we had to, there was only two fishing kayaks when I got started. And they were actually just recreational kayaks that we called fishing kayaks because we put a flush mount rod holder in them. Um, and so we incrementally kind of started doing more and more things. We started figuring out how to put depth finders on kayaks and anchor trolleys and things along those lines. But now there's so much availability 
And there's so much of a posture of, of keeping up with the Joneses that when you come into kayak fishing, you kind of feel like you've got to have a Hobie pro angler with a HDS, you know, live scope with a, you know, whatever else, a torpedo, a power pole and all that other stuff. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like you wouldn't get into driving a race car and your first race car is like a NASCAR race car. You'd start with a go-kart and then you'd work your way up to sprint and then you'd work your way or to a uh, bush and or Arca, then bush. Then, you know, you'd work your way up incrementally. Uh, and I'm not telling people to spend a fortune on, um, buying seven kayaks to stair step their way up. But at the same time, you don't have to have everything like out of the gate. In fact, even today with the experience that I have and, you know, probably as much seat time and fishing kayaks as anybody out there, um, I still get in every new boat that I've got and go paddle it two, sometimes three or four times before I rig it. Cause I don't know where I'm going to want stuff. I don't want to put things where I don't want them and then not be intuitive. I want to know where am I going to reach for that? Where would that, where would that fit intuitively? Uh, and then I rig them and I'm going to start doing a lot more rigging videos. I feel like I've done a disservice to the community by not making that part of my content on YouTube because like, I mean, again, when I owned a retail shop and, and one of the things that separated us at Hope One is we rigged boats. Uh, at that time, there was only one other person in the country that would do that. And that was a guy named CJ Siebler uh, out in California. But he wasn't the guy that owned the shop. He was just a guy that worked there. And he, it was one of the things he did. I was the guy that owned the shop and I was rigging boats. Uh, I think in one year, one time, I rigged almost a thousand boats and ship before I shipped. Wow. And so when you've got that compounded experience, you get to play around with other people's boats a lot. So that, the only reason I'm saying that is to quantify that even with that level of experience, probably done, you know, three or 4,000 over the, the four years, almost five years that, that I own that business. Um, I still do the same process every time, take the boat, go paddle it or pedal it or whatever, then decide what you're going to add to it, then decide what you're going to add to it. Then what decide, not try to go in and get every single thing under the sun. And it kind of boils the blood of some of my sponsors when I say crap like this, because, you know, they want to stack everything on top of everything on top of everything when you buy your fishing kayak. And I get it. That's their job. But take your time. If I had one piece of advice, um, you know what the first kayak fishing accessory that every kayak angler should start with is? is a milk crate with four PVC pipes zip tied to the corners of it. I almost think that light should be like the rite of passage, <laughs> but what, but what should happen is, is you should make one. And then when you get somebody into kayak fishing and after you've got a, an H crate or a black pack or a Plano box or whatever, you should give that yeah, milk crate, crate to that guy <laughs> coming in. And then the next thing you should do, is that guy should pay it forward, pay it backwards. You know, it's paying it forward in reverse because that's really all, that's all you need in the beginning. You know, that's all you really have to have is a place to throw some gear, a thing to hold a couple rods. And then, um, I mean, I remember one time I had a milk crate and the milk crate was square. So then I went down to a seafood place at the waterfront in Corpus Christi and they had rectangle um, shaped uh, milk crates. So there were seafood crates. I thought I was like in high cotton because I could put rod holders 
on the side of that and angle them back so that they didn't, you know, intertwine the tips with the other ones. And I ended up with like four on one side, three on the front and back, and then four on the other side. You know what I mean? So that was a lot of rod holders, but that's all I needed. And then I made anchor trolleys out of uh, pulleys from a dog leash or not a dog, a dog run that my next door neighbors uh, had like thrown in the garbage. And I saw the cable sticking out and I grabbed it and the pulleys was there. I made an anchor trolley out of that. So I would say initially, just get to know your boat, get to know your fishing style, get to know the water, get to know things like boat position management, setting the hook, standing, sitting down, go flip your freaking kayak. Nobody flips their kayaks anymore. I was just talking to somebody about that. How you do it so that you can get back in it. I've done half a dozen videos on it. I guess I'm due for another one, but every person that sits there ass in a kayak needs to know how to flip it and get back in it. And I see some contraptions going out that I'm like, you ain't getting back in that boat. <laughs> you ain't getting back in that boat. You know? Um, so that, that'd be my biggest. On accident. What's that? <laughs> so that flipped mine on accident. Yeah. yeah there's very few I, people that flip them on purpose. Yeah, I, I get my natural experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but again, because you're going to ultimately at some point flip it, learn how to learn how to get back in it. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Um, and that's going to also boost your confidence for not flipping it. The fact that you've done it and you know you're not worried about it as much anymore. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so that, that, that'd be my biggest piece of advice is get to know your boat. Baby steps. Don't try to have everything. You don't got to keep up with the Joneses in the beginning. You know, and start with some basic stuff. There's a certain amount of satisfaction that comes with making your own stuff in the beginning and then earning the better stuff, you know. Make that milk crate with the four PVC pipes and eight zip ties and use that and then, you know, work your way up to a, a black pack or an H crate or, you know, the flambeau box or the plano box or whatever fits your your style or your needs the best, you know. After you get some experience, knowing what you want and don't want on your boat. Yeah, I see people with so much crap on their boat they can't even cast. You know, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Actually, we just recently did an episode where we kind of talked about this. We were talking about, you know, picking out your first kayak. You know, a lot of people like to use the phrase like, well, buy your second kayak first. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't spend... I, I don't agree with that. I don't necessarily. I, I, I feel like, you know, if you kind of skeptical, don't know if you're really going to stick with it or not, you know, that $350, $400 kayak, you know, my main recommendation, make sure it's got a good seat on it where you can be somewhat comfortable, like a, a metal frame seat. You don't want like a molded in seat. But other than that, you want I, a little cheap kayak? That's, I that's agree. Fine. I agree 100%. Uh, and I've, I've done a, I've done 30 videos where I say the same thing. Um, you can save up for a whole lot of things in your life. You cannot save up and buy yesterday. Oh, no matter how much money you save up. So every day that you don't spend fishing is a day you don't get back. So for me, the time on the water, the experience that you'll get, here's what I'd say, you know, buy a kayak that you can resell because if you buy the cheap crap kayaks, you're not going to be able to resell them. So a hundred percent of your money is going to be a loss. Buy that middle tier kayak and buy it used. So think about it like this. Let's say you buy a Jackson Bite, a new canoe Flint, 
a bona fide RS-117 or an Old Town Topwater. Like all those kayaks that are in that, like, you know, the the lower part of the upper brands. Does that make sense? Kind of the entry level of the upper end. Buy one of those boats for six, seven, eight hundred dollars used. And I, and I had this conversation in the comment section of one of my videos. A guy was like, a thousand dollars is hardly entry. I said, okay, let's let's do the math on this real quick there, uh, Benjamin. If you buy a $250, $300 Sun Dolphin for Walmart, you're going to use that thing for three, four, five, six months. And if you like kayak fishing, you're going to be ready to upgrade. How much can you sell a boat for that you can buy brand new for 250 bucks? Maybe a hundred. Um, how much can you sell a boat for that's 250, $300 retail, which is, which the durability and the reliability is that of a $250 $300 kayak. So it's not going to be that great. And you're going to basically then turn around and sell that boat for a hundred bucks, or you're going to sell that boat. You're not going to sell it and you're going to trash it. So now think about that mid tier boat, buy that thousand dollar boat for seven, 800 bucks used. Uh, you're going to save on tax for one. You're going to save that little bit of money. And lots of times the person selling it throws in the PFD, the paddle or some accessory that saves you even a little bit more money. Now, fast forward a year. And if that's your first kayak, but you want to buy that second kayak, and this is where I also disagree with buy your second kayak first. Um, now you decide to sell that boat. Let's just say you sell it for five, fifty, six hundred bucks. Now you fish that boat for a year for 150 bucks. So what was the better deal to buy that seven, eight hundred dollar used kayak and then resell it in a year or buy that three hundred dollar kayak and basically waste all that money? So that's kind of the only analogy that I make. Now, if you can only come up with 300 bucks and you can get three days of fishing a month for six months out of a sun dolphin, that's 18 days of fishing you wouldn't get if all you did is wait to buy your second kayak. So I'm not a kayak snob. Uh, it's my job to show off the upper end of stuff. I'm about to go back the other direction though. I ain't gonna lie, I bought a kayak from a tractor supply company the other day. And I'm doing a video on it. So... I also get a little bit too big for my britches with some of the gear that I use because I felt like it's my goal to show people what's possible. And then I went, oh, dude, you're sounding like the aspirational guy again instead of the inspirational guy. So, you know, I've the one thing that I've learned is when you get a, a little bit of a measure of success, you get critics. But if you can always be your your own worst critic, nobody will ever surprise you with anything because you've already told yourself the same thing three or four times. And so one of two things is happening. You're either not holding yourself accountable enough and you don't truly see yourself through the lens that you should, or those are people that you shouldn't be listening to. Um, I, I hate memes or little inspirational, you know, Instagram little things, but, <laughs> but somebody sent me one that I was like, damn, I appreciate that. And I, I saved it on my phone and I kind of flipped through it every now and then. It says, um, don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't go to for advice. I was like, holy crap. You know, <laughs> Mind blown. Profound. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't worry about criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice, and you'll have a lot more success in your life, you know? Cool, man. Well, uh, we're getting on an, to an hour. Um if you're good to tell your story, I think it would be a perfect time. So, all right. So look, uh, before I tell the story, cause I do want to end on the story. If you guys are cool with that. Um, yeah. I want to give a big shout out. Listen, guys, do me a favor, join KBF. We've created a value proposition that'll 
that's, you know, unrivaled in my opinion. If you join at the ambassador level for 25, you get 65 in gift certificates. That's what I've got it to so far. I'm working to get that up closer to like 100. Uh, and then even after you join, if we get a new relationship, you get that retro. Uh, and then if you join at the, the, the premium level, then you get um, $75 in immediate gift certificates. And they're not garbage. They're premium companies, great kayak fishing accessories and companies. And, and you, you just pretty much get your money back. And it helps us with revenue to invest in these youth sports and, and safety education and, and creating content that we're going to use to raise the bar of what's expected out of a, a leadership organization in this community. So anyway, I had to do that little shameless plug. No, so by I get all this, means. I get this woman walk up to me and ask me, hey, are you Chad Hoover? And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, my God, I just want to tell you that you're such an inspiration to my son and this and that and the other. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, he's with his dad. We're, we're at a, a sporting goods store. Do you mind if I go grab him real quick? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, let me tell you the story before I go get him. I was like, okay. She goes, he's, um, he's a little heavier. Um, I was like, how old is he? She's like, he's, he's almost 12. I said, okay. She said, and he, he's really gotten picked on at school. And um, uh, watching your YouTube videos, though, I just got to tell you, Chad, it's such an inspiration to him that he sees a guy like you and it makes it okay for him to be fat. Probably could have been worded a little better. No, that's pretty much what she said. And I said, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know how like right before you're about to cry, your face gets flush. I had that feeling, but kind of like in the cartoons, when you see the color go up the guy's face and he turned, it went the other way. It was like the color left my body. It's like the feel, like I felt it go all the way down, at like to my feet, and I went, um, "All right, can you?" So explain that to me again. She's like, "Well, you'll see when I go get him. It's not his fault, um, you know." And the kids just really make fun of him. And I said, "So he's twelve? And she said, "Yeah." And I said, "Yeah, you're right. It's not his fault. It's your fault." She said, "Excuse me." I said, "Look." Before you bring him over here, and I'll, I I'll do everything I can to be uh, as awesome as I can be to him because I love the fact that he loves what I do. Um, but I don't want to be the I don't want to be the get out of jail free card for him to think it's okay to be fat. Um, I don't think that's a good move for anybody. Uh, I'm not into fat shaming or any of that other stuff. But oh man, I said I just don't know. I said just go get him. <laughs> I was, I just didn't even know what to say. So she went and got him and he brought him over and he was like, um, he was like, uh, you know, telling me how he gets bullied and all this other stuff. And I mean, I literally sat there and talked to the kid and I said, well, look, here's what bullies are. Bullies are, if you look in a mirror, they're the person you never want to see again. So pretend like bullies are people you see in the mirror. And as long as you don't become one, you're good to go. But I think bullies actually serve a purpose in our society. They motivate really good people to become even better. So the next time a bully tells you something, you do everything you can internally to not allow yourself to be what they say you are. And as long as you do that, you don't have to worry about what they say. He looked at his mom, looked at his dad. They looked at me. He was like, is that true? And the mom was like, 
well, well, yeah, but, you know, th they can say hurtful things. And I said, look, look at me. Your mom said you wanted to talk to me. So I'm going to talk to you. Okay. And I'm going to talk to your dad. So don't take this the wrong way, mom. But it takes a man to raise a man. And she doesn't quite understand the whole boys will be boys thing. She doesn't understand how men talk to each other, how men motivate each other. If you're insulated from that, you're not going to develop. Okay, that's not how it works. There's going to be that chest bumping, you know, deer rub their horns together. Bears claw each other. Like it's human nature, right? It's part of it. So you need a little bit of that. I said, what do you like to do? He said, oh, I like to fish, but my dad won't take me. And I looked at his dad and his dad said, oh, well, you know, uh, and I said, is it because he gets tired too easy? And he was like, well, I do get tired. And he's like, yeah, man, I get everything together. I go out there and he only wants to fish for an hour. I said, so why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you guys start making a deal where you'll take him fishing and every time you go, you stay 30 minutes longer. And then once that's comfortable, then you do 30 minutes longer. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, I like that. So I said, can I talk to you for a second? And I pulled the dad aside. I said, listen, man, I'm going to be honest with you. What your wife said literally almost made me cry. <laughs> I said, I don't understand. I just I don't know what to say, man. But I'll tell you this, you're going to see something different out of me and I hope that it inspires him to go the other direction. And I hope you inspire him to go the other direction because he's literally setting himself up to be a diabetic in his teens. And you guys are letting that happen. And I, you know, you're a good looking dude, man. He said, she just coddles him. And I said, well, then you've got to take over that dynamic. You got to be like, Hey man, let's go throw a football. Let's go walk. Let's go, you know, whatever. Um, but you can't just let him atrophy. Cause that's what we're doing to these kids these days. And he's like, man, I appreciate that. And he holds his hand out and he shakes my hand. I walked out of that store and I was hell bent on. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was freaking it. I, I was done, man. I mean, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. If there's one thing I care about, it's what example I set for kids. You know, that's why I don't talk like a sailor in my videos. You know, uh, that's why I, I mean, I'll let a little bit more go on a podcast like this because you guys are very inviting, you know, <laughs> but not when I'm, my target audience is, is mixed company. I want to make content that a mom, dad, brother, and sister can sit on a couch and watch on their TV together because people do that now, you know? Um, but I mean, I walked out of there. That was February 22nd. I went home and I got on a scale and I was, I had gotten to 346 pounds. 346. It's the highest weight I've ever been. Uh, I guess when everybody said COVID 15, I thought they said 50. <laughs> and I just let myself get there. And I was, oh, I was using the excuse that I was taking care of Christy and it'll come off as soon as I get active again. But man, I just started doing some research. I got back on keto. I had done really well with that, but then I did a little bit more research and I got on carnivore and that's been like the smartest. It's not a diet. That's my new way of life. Um, I'm down to 260. I was 261 yesterday. It's the first time I'd weighed in like three weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. I got about 55 more to go. So I'm down like 85 and I got 55 more to go. But it's little interactions like that, man, that just like I could have easily been like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And I could have even used it as motivation. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm the and I've said this in the past. I'm the poster boy for anybody can do this. And I have been. Now it's time to be the poster boy for anybody can not be the poster boy for anybody can do it. You know, um, I did one workout when I got up this morning. It's uh, 
it got dark while we're talking. I got another one to do as soon as we hang up, but it's not even an option. Like I don't even give myself the choice to not do it, you know? Um, and that's what you got to do to become better at fishing and to become better at whatever you want to do. You got to do the things that you need to do to get better at them. Whatever you suck at, do it more <laughs> like the crankbait analogy or a story, you know? Um, yeah, man, that's all I got. I'm, uh, I'm trying to change constantly, uh, to be better, to be a better example, to live up to some of the stuff that people say about me and to live up to some of the honors that are now quote unquote being that are coming my way. Cause it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a lot of pressure. Um, and it could be crushing if you let it, but I refuse to let it be that kind of pressure. Uh, I want it to be the pressure wave that pushes me, you know, not the one that holds me back. Awesome. Yeah, cool, man. Well, you already kind of plugged uh, KBF a little bit. You want to plug like your YouTube channel and social media and all that real quick? Yeah, man. If you just look up Chad Hoover Fishing or Kayak Bass Fishing on social media, I'm pretty much all of them. All Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you know, um, all that. Chad Hoover Fishing or Kayak Bass Fishing. And uh, we're about to ramp up the content creation schedule there. Um, about to launch a series called Phases of Fishing. Uh, I'm launching it unsponsored so that I can just talk about the content. Um, there's a book that changed my life called knowing bass from Dr. Ken, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Keith Adams from, um, uh, uh, Berkeley's, uh, laboratories. It's and hard as hell to find. If it's, you, it's, so. it's, well, listen, it's $135 at the cheapest that you can find it with. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start reading the chapters on my YouTube channel and expound on what I've learned from it. Because you can't find the book. It was a big turning point for me. I don't know of anybody that's ever done that before. I don't know if it's legal, but I'm just going to beg forgiveness instead of asking permission. <laughs> but I'm going to read a chapter a week or something like that to for my subscribers. And then, you know, provide color commentary on how to apply it, not just the science. But, like, how do you take that in the real world and go apply it to catching more fish, you know? I can tell you uh, if you Google enough you will find a PDF version of it because I happen to locate one luckily enough. So. Yeah. Unfortunately I can't be that guy. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm a content creator myself. And even though it's out of print, it's still kind of a little bit of a dick move if you, but I'm going to read it. So I don't know if that's less of a D move <laughs> or not, but, uh, but it's going to be conversational. It's going to say, Hey, listen, um, buy this book if you can find it, but if not, I'm going to read it to you. you right. Know? Well, cool, I'm going to read it again uh, anyway, so I might as well read it to everybody Same else. here, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Now, I'm kind of scared to uh, ask you this question because I feel like we might go on for another hour, but do you have any sponsors you want to plug? All of them, man. Um, you know, they've all been great to me. You, you can find them on my truck, on my social media channels, on every tournament that we do. Um, I don't ever have to plug my sponsors because I never don't plug them. You know what I mean? Uh, everybody knows who my sponsors are. Uh, well, here's what I'll plug. If you have a sponsor, take care of them. Treat each one of them like you're a, you know, like you're a, a, a polygamist. Like you've got 30 wives and you got to take <laughs> care of each one of them because that really is how it is. And don't get more than you can truly serve. Um, and, and I've learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, but yeah, do it daily. Don't just do it when there's an opportunity to hashtag a source, the bottom of a post that you make, or, you know, 
if you try to be everything to everybody, you'll never be anything to anybody. And I've had to learn that lesson too. So, you know, I've got some really great ones, you know, real tree fishing and DZ stepped up big time to really get us through COVID and to get us into this season uh, to be successful. So first and foremost, those guys have to be thanked. Um, and then there's a litany of other ones that are everywhere on my social. They're on our checks at our events. They're on the backdrops. They're on my truck. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity, but yeah, man, I'm a, I'm gonna plug them every day because they are the reason I'm able to do what I do. Cool. Well, cool, Chad. Appreciate you coming on here and talking with us. And, uh, you know, there's so much stuff we could talk to you about. We'll definitely have to reach out to you again and get you Let's back do it. Here. I'm down, man. Anytime. Y'all, y'all holler. I appreciate cool. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. All right. Well, peace. Everybody, this has been Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, bringing you the techniques, tricks, and tips to help you rip more lips. Later, y'all. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water shout out to rocktown adventures located in northern illinois for all your kayaking camping and hiking needs shout out to jig masters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com